Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and the modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church. With me today, as always, is my friend and the lead pastor at Generations Church, Jeff Ludington. How you doing today, Jeff? Oh, good morning. I am I am far more alive and awake. Uh, I know last time in our last episode, you caught me sleeping, and it was really the whole thing, and I was embarrassed. And so today, extra coffee. I might even speak too fast. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> no, I'm good, man. Nice. We can get in twice as much information. Woohoo! So if you're listening and you have control, you may want to slow us down. No, I'm kidding. All right, so we are in the back end, man, the home stretch. If you are a fan of baseball, it's like we are rounding third and headed for home. Uh, we are in episode 48 today of 52. So in the final five, right? Uh, here we are. We're we're in the Heidelberg Catechism, a training tool for Christians that's been used over the last 450 years, four and a half centuries. And it does the tra- it, it trains Christians by having them memorize questions and answers, memorizing truth, truth that comes from Scripture. And it is, for the most part, straight out of Scripture like this, what we're in right now. We're in the second petition or the second main line of the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And so we've had uh, this, our Father in heaven, that we direct our prayers to God. Holy is God's name was our last episode. And then today, we get to talk about the kingdom. Your kingdom come is the line we're looking at today. So I'm going to ask the question, and Rob is going to answer it. Like a Again, like always, we use the example of a father training a son or a mother, a daughter, a uh, a, a disciple of Jesus training another disciple of Jesus. That's how we're doing this. And uh, as always, the verses that we quote, uh, the question and answer, and some reference verses will all be put in our show notes, our podcast notes. So if you're driving along the freeway and you want to remember a verse that we quoted, it's going to be in the notes. Wait until you safely stop at your destination. Please don't look where you're on the freeway. That uh, would not go well. However, if you do die on the freeway because you're looking up a Bible verse, I think that should be extra credit in heaven. I'm not positive, but I think so. Rob, extra credit? What do you think? I think so. I think your point value doubles. All right. We're officially heretics. Oh, we're good to go. All right. (laughs) Question and answer 123 is, what does the second petition mean? Your kingdom come means... Rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Preserve your church and make it grow. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all. Hmm. That's good. So this second petition, right? And, and, uh, Simply put, a petition is a formal request, right? That's a, that would be the definition of petition. And so there's our Father in heaven, uh, uh, holy be your name. That's a request. May your name be holy, right? Now, this is the second petition or formal request. Your kingdom come. God, will you make your kingdom come on earth? And then 
the answer that you give really kind of balances two words, church and kingdom, right? Preserve your church and make it grow. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy your evil force, right? Do this until your kingdom fully comes. So we're, we're talking about life in the church today and, and Christ's kingdom. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I think, though, this is one of those topics that I think even for Christians, and myself included in this, um, there's a lot of confusion over what is meant by the kingdom of God as we read that in Scripture. Um, is it visible? Is it invisible? Is it coming? Is it already here? Is Christ currently mm-hmm. ruling? Is he going to be ruling in the future? And are we waiting for that rule? Um, can you clear this up for us? Because I think a lot of Christians would love to hear what you have to say on it. Well, Christians are divided into four major camps. So yeah, totally. 20-minute podcast, I can solve all the problems of the world, man. Totally got this, <laughs> all right? Never been a problem in church history ever. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding about being able to fix it for sure, uh, but let's talk about it. So Christians are typically divided into four camps as it relates to end times theology, what we call eschatology. Eschatology is the study or the doctrine of last things. And so last things and end times are very different. Uh, Last things, how everything shakes out, right? That's more of the doctrine of last things. End times tends to be what Christians approach as like what's coming before last things. And so the, the big four camps, man, are some people believe that Jesus has already returned and like that most of this stuff happened back at the destruction of the temple in the first century and all that. So most of those folks have moved on. They're not a very vocal group in Christianity. They're a minority. Uh, then there are the most vocal group, and they are the people that most people outside of Christianity think Christians believe in a tribulation, a rapture, uh, a this, a that, uh, all kinds of things, because uh, over the last 200 years, it's a newer view to Christianity. Uh, The premillennial, pre-tribulational rapture view of Christianity is new. It's the new kid on the block. It's only 200 years old. Uh, And it really uh, kind of sees end times as a series of prophetic events. Uh, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, and then there's this, and then there's this. And so people that believe this, and this is, this is, and I'm not knocking it, it it's not my view, uh, but Calvary chapels hold to this view very strongly and teach it very clearly. Um, and so a lot of folks out there, especially, we live in Southern California, this is kind of the mecca for Calvary Chapel. Um, and so a lot of folks believe that. So on social media throughout coronavirus, um, when Bill Gates says you got to get a microchip or something, some crazy thing happens. You watch a bunch of Christians grenade online over, oh, this is the mark of the beast, and this is this, and this is that, and no amount of calming them down and showing them scripture really kind of settles the settles the the condition. So, really, uh, that is based on. And Tim LaHaye wrote, you know, I think it was LaHaye and Jenkins wrote the the Left Behind series, and Kirk Cameron made a movie out of a couple of them, whatever. So. There's this view of things getting terrible and then some miraculous events taking place. Uh, That's not the view I hold. That's not the view you hold for that matter. Uh, What we hold to more is in the Reformed tradition, there's there's two common views. One is that things are going to progressively get better. The kingdom is going to take shape. And then finally, we're kind of in that consummated kingdom. Uh, Or there's this era of the kingdom, this not thousand year literal thing, but this era of the church. 
And uh, that's where I'm at, is that we're in this church era, and that Jesus is King of Kings, and that Jesus is Lord of Lords, and that Jesus inaugurated the kingdom, that the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is not fully here, that we will, in the last things, fully have the kingdom. And so uh, we live in this tension right now of living in the church, and the church is, as Jesus says, in the world, but not of the world. And so Christ is King, yes. The kingdom has begun, yes. Is the kingdom fully realized? No. You know, and so like we're in this tension. Theology calls this the now and not yet of the kingdom. So if if that's where we sit, and that's what we believe that, that we are in the kingdom now, but there is also, as the catechism says, a time when the kingdom will fully come, then as believers, as Christians, as members or um people within that kingdom, what is our, what is our role? What is our place? What is our focus in this? Yeah, that's great. So uh, I want to back up to the first words of Jesus as he begins his ministry. Now in the four gospels, we get four, uh, foretellings of a story. It's like if I were to write your biography and then you were to write your autobiography and then your mom were to write your biography and then your wife was to write your biography, right? You'd get these different views of your life. They would be the same same person. And if God superintended them, they'd all be true, right? But they'd have uh, perspective to them. And so, uh, you know, Mark is an evangelist. He just wants to get to Jesus. Matthew is writing the Jewish history and lineage of Jesus also, plus Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, right? Luke is writing, uh, a, trying to chronicle the events of Jesus' life. And then John has an absolute uh, thesis that he is trying to accomplish that he will prove that Jesus is God, right? So different perspectives, they all tell the same story, but Mark in Mark 1.15, so right in the beginning of Mark's gospel, 15 verses in, so uh, it says this, Jesus speaks, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, Matthew takes a little bit because he's got two genealogies, the pregnancy of Elizabeth and Mary, the birth of John, then the birth of Jesus, and it even shares a little bit of Jesus growing up. And so then gets to in chapter four, it says, as Jesus goes into ministry, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So same words, same start of ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke tells a little longer narrative and he gives the, the a snapshot of Jesus in the temple before he's in ministry. And Jesus reads from the words of Isaiah. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then a couple of verses later, he says, and now this has been fulfilled in your presence. And so Jesus is saying, I'm fulfilling what Isaiah promised. And that is he has descriptors of the kingdom liberty to people, good news to the poor, right? Uh, recovery of sight to the blind. But also, 20, I think 24 verses later in Luke 4.43, Jesus says to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So uh, with the exception of John, who begins with the calling of the disciples and some other stuff, uh, all the gospel authors note that Jesus' ministry begins with words that say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe in the gospel. So Jesus begins with, hey man, I'm starting the gospel. I'm, I'm starting the kingdom, excuse me. Your job, repent, 
because uh, repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom's here. I'm starting it. Your job now, turn from the world, believe in the good news of the kingdom. So that, I think, is our role, church in the kingdom, right? I said in the, the question and answer, uh, your kingdom come means rule us by your word and spirit, right? Preserve your church and make it grow, right? All the way to the end, do this until your kingdom fully comes. So there's this, this that we should be, you and I, ruled by word and spirit, God's word, God's spirit, and that the church should advance, grow until the kingdom is fully realized. So there's our response, there's the role of the church, and then there's the idea that the kingdom now will become the kingdom complete. Is that, and our job in the middle of that, repent, turn away from the world because we live in the kingdom now. Turn away from the kingdom of the earth, if you will, live in the kingdom of God. We do that by believing in the gospel and letting it transform our lives. And when we do that, the church will advance, grow, have impact. And then ultimately, Jesus will bring uh, the consummation of the kingdom. So we have the inauguration when Jesus came to earth, the start of the kingdom, and then the completion, the fulfillment, or the, the, the consummation of the kingdom as Jesus reigns and evil is gotten rid of. Right. And as a church proclaims that, and as we as individual members of that kingdom go out into the world, we should be bringing other people into the kingdom, right? right Our mission right. is to to invite them and say, hey, we, there's something better that, that is going on at the same time as this world that you see that's fallen apart. Um, can I bring you this into a, in? a modern? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. I. You know what? You just said that. And um, man, imagine like you and I, we live in Southern California and, 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 uh, so we're in America, there's Southern California, there's the rest of America, there's the only two states that exist, right? And uh, the, the, the co a common conversation, we're in Southern California, so we're, we're on the edge of Mexico, so there's a lot of immigration talk, right? Pro and con, here and there, it's a political season, presidential election, so you always hear these things. But take out all the politics of it for a minute, and just think, we have a nation, a kingdom, if you will, it's, I know it's not a kingdom, but it's a nation, uh, and there are folks that don't live in our nation, right? And there are some people that want to be in our nation because our nation has a lot to offer, right? We have, even in the midst of this craziness with coronavirus and all the restrictions, all the different things going on, even with, you know, protests and riots going on, even with the craziness of, you know, Biden and Trump constantly after each other and politics right now, um, there's still an understanding in other countries, like this is the spot, like this is the place where there's a lot of opportunity. And that's because there is a lot of opportunity and the rest of the world knows it. That's the role of the church. Like the church ought to show how amazing Jesus is, the kingdom is, right? And that there is great opportunity, if you will, inside the kingdom of Christ. Like there's there's opportunity to find joy in this crazy world. There's, there's opportunity to have the things in your life that are broken, redeemed, restored, and healed. Like we should be, you know, ambassadors of that. You mentioned that in our last episode, right? That if we are transformed because we're in the kingdom, other people will see that and they'll want in, right? They'll want to immigrate into the church, if you will. And again, take all the politics out of it. Take all the walls and the, you know, the nations and the language, take all that out of it. And there is something that America has to offer to the rest of the world that people want. And that should be what the church is. We do have something that the rest of the world wants or should want. And if we presented it well, if we lived our lives well, 
then people would see that and they would want Jesus because Jesus is amazing. I mean, I mean, because what Christianity gives us is incredible. What the kingdom now even in this now and not yet setting is still profound. Yeah, and I love the way you brought up. It just, it just clicked in my mind when you said, you know, forget about the walls, forget about all that, um, that you tend to preach on a pretty regular basis that uh, the walls of the church, right, the building that we're in should not restrict what we do, that we need to go outside the walls. I love the, you know, you, there's there's a lot to not like about this whole pandemic and the, and the shutdowns and things. Right. But um, I saw a t-shirt the other day that says the church has left the building. And the idea that, yeah, it's going out over the internet, it's going out in the parking lots where neighbors can hear. Um, so the church is forcing the church. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry. If you're young and but you're the, listening, just the idea. ask your dad. Yeah, no idea. Anyhow. No idea. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, just the idea that the church has gone outside the four walls and is is saying, you know, hey, come on in. We, we're coming out to where you are instead of asking you to come to where we are. I think it's a great point, but you also brought up politics in this. And I've, I've seen some um, posts online, some people talking about, there are those who are diving full on into politics right now. And all they post is politics, um, Christians, non-Christians, but there are some Christians that are saying, I'm staying really? out of the fray. I haven't seen that. I, I haven't noticed. No? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, not it's, at all. It's, it's, yeah. You really got to dig. <laughs> you really got to dig. But the, there's, I've seen some people just say, Hey, I'm not getting involved in that because it doesn't matter. Their point is, mm. um, it doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter who's governor. It doesn't matter who's mayor. All that matters is Jesus is currently reigning. We are living under his reign. And so the rest of it will all take care of itself. Um, how would you advise people in this area? How do we live in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man at the same time? And, and do we have a role in both? Yeah, that's great. And that so when we talk about modern day themes and connections to the Heidelberg, Man, that's as modern, that's as as thematic as life is today right now. We're in the middle. You know, if somebody is listening to this in two years from now, and they're going back through old podcasts or whatever, man, this is right now, September before the November election where, you know, Trump is coming, you know, is, is running for four more years and Biden and Harris are trying to dethrone him. And, and it just our political season is crazy. And I joke about the politics part because my criticism of the church often right now, not just our church, but the church in America, is we are so hyper-political. And that is one of the uh, the watching world's criticisms of the church, too, is how political we are. And it's not that politics—well, I don't want to—I was going to say not that politics are evil, but I'm not sure I want to say that. But uh, it's not that Christians can't be engaged and politically active, aware, or whatever else. It's that what I've seen is the shift that Christians trust in the political process to solve spiritual problems, right? So if we can just vote the right way, uh, you know, on Prop 8, whatever, how many ever years ago that was, if we just vote the right way and we don't allow gay marriage, then of course homosexuality will go away. Like, poof, there it goes, right? No, no. You'll never legislate morality. Like the reason we're voting on it is because it exists. Should you vote on it? Should you have a position? Is there a biblical position? Of course, all those things. The problem I find is Christians that trust in politics to solve all the problems that only Jesus can solve. It reminds me of when we were teaching through Isaiah. We're in Exodus now, but when we were going through Isaiah, I would often say that the, the, the one, if you were to summarize the entire criticism of God, uh, to the people of God through Isaiah was, hey, people of God, you look like the world around you. You don't look like my people. 
And I would say that to the church today, same criticism, that I think Jesus would look at the church and say, hey, you look, and when I say this, the church in America, I mean the church here in America, I think Jesus would say to us today, you look like the rest of America. You look like the rest of the world you live in. You don't look like a distinct people group that are marked by me, that are different from me. So getting back to our question, you don't look like the kingdom you actually are a part of. You look like the kingdom I've taken you out of. You look like the world. You don't look like heaven, right? So do should we be involved in politics? And, and I think there are more Christians that are engaged in politics than those who are saying, don't worry about it. Christ is king, blah, blah, blah. And I, w- I would say this. Jesus does say this. He says, you're in the world, but not of the world. Like live in the world. Be here. Be here for a purpose. But you're not of the world. You're of my kingdom, right? That's what he's saying. You that you're in the world, but not of the world, right? You're, you're here. You live here. I live in Southern California, even though I am, and this sounds super spiritual, but like I am a citizen of Christ's kingdom, right? In other words, I belong to Jesus, but I live here, right? My address is still in the world and my eternity is in the kingdom. But while I'm here, I have a purpose that I am to look like the kingdom so that while living in the world, the rest of the world can see the kingdom, Right? And so, yeah, it matters today. And yeah, we have a privilege in America. We don't live in a, uh, you know, we don't live in a dictatorship as much as some people want to say we're living like that right now. And we don't live under a monarch. And, you know, we're not in some kind of, you know, Hitler, Stalin government. We have a voice. We should choose how we use our voice, right? We should be, I think, politically engaged, but I think we should do it differently than we commonly see. We shouldn't be bashing the other team, and we shouldn't be placing all our trust in the candidate, but rather our trust should be in Jesus, and it should flow out of us. I would love to see Republicans and Democrats alike, that are because there's Christians on both sides. And I'd love to see the Christians in the Democrat Party and the Christians in the Republican Party. I would love to see them be distinct from the atheists in the Republican Party or Democrat Party or whatever else, right? the Buddhists in both those parties. Like, let us be a different people. And no one party, and I piss everybody off when I say that, no one party represents Jesus, right? Like, there are things in both parties that are just antithetical to Christianity. And so, yeah, people go, oh, but this. Oh, but Republicans are better because Democrats are for abortion. And then Democrats will say, no, Democrats are better because Republicans don't care about marginalized people. I mean, it's just a back and forth. Neither party is the Christian party. They're both the party of people. So we should be engaged in the world, but we should realize that ultimately we live in the kingdom of God and we're trying to see the kingdom of God realized here. We can't vote the kingdom of God in, but our lives can live it and welcome people in. So we're back to that example of immigration, like right, the kingdom should be so beautiful, people are immigrating into it, right? That people see us and they see a distinction in us, they see a beauty in us, rather than they just see another Republican or another Democrat that goes to church on Sunday. They should see a distinct people group, and they should want our distinctions because we look like Jesus, live like Jesus, act like Jesus. And so for me, yes, live in the world, bring the kingdom to the world, bring Jesus to your neighbor. Be engaged, but be engaged differently. Don't trust in – I don't care, either candidate. I'm not – man, I'm not excited about either candidate. I will vote. I will stay engaged. But, man, my hope is in Jesus, not in Trump or Biden. Right. And then knowing that and making a statement of, you know, it doesn't matter because Jesus is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords shouldn't excuse us from being involved, but it should give us comfort no matter the outcome. 
right? Whatever Absolutely happens, true. yeah, God is still sovereign and, and he, uh, he still rules over us. So I think that's important to remember. Uh, we talked today about um, the kingdom of God, that it has begun. It has been inaugurated by the coming of Christ, that it is not fully realized yet, uh, consummated yet. Uh, we'll get to that next time as we talk about um, your kingdom come, your will be done mm. on earth as yep. it is in heaven. So that's, that'll be our next episode. We thank you for joining us. Uh, for listening to the Generations Church podcast. As always, every Tuesday, we release a new guilt, grace, and gratitude. Only a few to go for those of you that have been with us the entire time. Uh, hang in there. A few to go and then some sort of celebration. <laughs> so we'll see you next time. <laughs>